What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. How we doing, gentlemen? Sorry for the uh, one-week rest there, but Adam was a little bit under the weather. I was traveling for work, and we didn't want to just put all the work on Matt there. So, I like but the we're back. workload. I like oh, the right. workload. I'm like Kirill Kippersoff with the freaking Minnesota Wild. We got Give him out here for 45 I'm minutes like tonight. David. I'm like Connor McDavid. Like Connor I'll carry the team. All right, calm it down, big guy. Calm it down. All right, uh, we're I, all I role players care. here. I do not carry the team. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say, where, where's where's the we're, episode last week? Though? We're a culmination. We're a culmination of role players, and that's just how it is and how it should be. But um welcome back episode 101 we have eclipsed the 100 mark as you will all remember i'm sure uh so now it's just the road to 200 slow and steady Ooh. wins the race here boys 150 what was that 150 150 150 road to 150 that's true 150 is a huge milestone um and adam's getting up okay already like we're 100 episodes in and now adam's just taking all these liberties just get up in the middle of the podcast and just walk around it's getting ridiculous. Well, okay. He's, you, you, he's like, what? <laughs> what are we talking about? Huh? What, what's happening right now? Huh? Um, <laughs> but episode 101, obviously, nobody in the NHL ever wore the number 101. So I that is no longer a responsibility that I have to handle, which is yeah, really not, refreshing. We're not, about, to be honest. we're not talking about former players. I know. It's Sorry Christmas about. time. It is Christmas time. It is uh December 14th, the day you'll be listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. we're just a couple of days uh, in outside of Christmas, which is always good. What do you got? What is your guys' favorite Christmas tradition? Like something that your family does? Um, What's that all rush this? Well, <laughs> I would say Christmas Eve is always a big day because we always used to go to my grandparents. But unfortunately, right. my uh, granddad died like a couple, four years ago, I think. It's around there. So, uh, we haven't really been doing it much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and now the Eagles play the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is going to be a huge day for Philly. No, fans. It's going it's to be a huge day. So I'm excited for this year's Christmas Eve because I'm just, you know, I'm excited for the 12 1 Eagles. Go Bears, baby. Go Bears. They are unbelievable. I feel like I'm facing down the barrel of another possible solo episode of the Eagles going on. <laughs> Oh, it, it, that might happen. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised it didn't actually happen for the World Series run. That was something. Um, Adam, what about you? What is uh, what is your favorite uh, favorite Christmas uh, kind of thing that you guys do in your family? Uh, well, actually, this kind of ties into the poll that we did uh, the last episode with the the real or fake tree. Right. Um, I am team real tree, of course. And every year, the first weekend after Thanksgiving, me and the family uh, get together and do, uh, we go to a tree farm, do like a little kind of like tailgate kind of thing, walk around the tree farm, find our tree, cut it down, and we just sit around, hang out, eat some good food, and just That's chill. really nice. Uh, this, this year, we couldn't do it because it was a bit of a washout with uh, the weather. I think we got like a really bad rain the, the night we were going to go, so it was just mm-hmm. uh the immediate family in the house right. went out and got a tree. But uh, it's usually what we end up doing is going out. Uh, I think it's upstate New York we usually go to. Oh, man. A tree. That's kind of a hike, no? That's like an hour. Uh, it's about two hours from where Two I'm... hours, yeah. Um, 
That's really nice. I like that. I'm, I mean, we we talked about it last week. I I don't know which way I swing yet. I'm still kind of on both teams a little bit there. You, um, but well, uh, the fans, all yeah. four of them, all are four real tree. See, the fans spoke, and it is team real tree. So I might have to get on board with that. But uh, screw your fake trees. Yeah, for no, no, for no, me, one of for me, one of my favorite things my family does is we'll go to this kind of Christmas village thing. Um, I don't know what county it's in. I don't I'm not usually the one that drives, um, but it's like an hour or two away. And it's this little Christmas village that, um, you know, you walk through there's a bunch of lights. There's some cool stuff there. It never changes from year to year. It's the same exact thing every single year. So it's not like any, there's anything new, but it's just kind of the ritual and the tradition of going there. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, bringing bringing Bailey's with you to put in your hot cocoa that you buy there because, you, you know, they're not supplying alcohol. So that's kind of something you have to do on your own because um, that's the kind of people we are. But that's always something nice that, that we do. Uh, if any of our listeners have like kind of traditions that they do with their family, um, do, feel free to drop them in the DMs, either on Twitter or Instagram, and you'll get those uh, you'll get those uh, ads at the end of the episode. You can feel free to drop them in our, our DMs there, and uh, we'll talk about them because slide on in. We're we're a Chris we're a Christmas uh, friendly podcast, I'd say. Um, kind of have to be, I think, if you're a hockey podcast. No, like Christmas. I guess kind of. You don't have to like Christmas though. This is true. But you, you kind of have to like the winter a little like bit. Christmas. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, also, Rich. for those that are, are Eagles fans, uh, remember the Eagles offensive lineman uh, Christmas Great. album. Santa Claus? One of the greatest Christmas albums I've ever heard in my, my life. life. Okay. Have you listened, Matt? Have you listened? To I've listened to the whole thing. I've listened to the two songs they got on Spotify. Uh, Baby, Please Come Home and uh, Blue Christmas. Well, they released the third. They released the third one. It was mostly Jordan Mailata singing that one. But I'll tell you what, these guys got some pipes on them. Good, good for them. Got some pipes. Jordan Mailata can sing, man. Uh, either way, not a football <laughs> podcast. We are a hockey <laughs> podcast. And speaking of Christmas, what better Christmas gift than a twenty-three game point streak? That is currently Ooh. what Mitch Marner is gifting the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, as uh, he extends his point streak to twenty-three games with an assist in last night's game. Um, yeah, look, a lot of people, like especially Toronto fans, give Mitch Marner so much shit. Maybe it's just because he's not Austin Matthews. But I'll tell you what, I don't think this Toronto team is anywhere near as good as it is without Mitch Marner being a second part of the tandem that is Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Now, is Mitch Marner as good as like a dry sidle to a McDavid? Maybe not. But a 23-game point streak cannot be scoffed at. What do you guys think about, especially just the abuse I feel like Mitch Marner gets from the Toronto media and the Maple Leafs fans, that to me just always feels out of place because uh, I feel like you're just putting the blame on anyone except for Austin Matthews. But what what do you guys think about, A, a 23-point game, uh, a 23-game point streak out of Mitch Marner, and B, do you think this will finally silence the Toronto media in their just visceral abuse of Mitch Marner? Well, you have to understand nothing will ever silence the Toronto media. That's a very good point. Anything. That's a very good point. Even the most highest of highs, which who knows if they'll ever achieve, but they'll ne- they'll never stop. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's so impressive. Like, you know, the type of player he is, you know, he, to have a point streak like this is, like, definitely he, he, probably something he's not going to duplicate for the rest right. of his career. Sure. Um, if he does, it's going to be unbelievable. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just like you look at how Mitch Marner plays, 
Like you would think like a smart hockey fan would realize like, why would you ever complain about him? Right. I mean, the dude plays power play, plays penalty kill, can hop on your first line, trickle down your second line, stick him at your third and fourth line, and he'll tend he can adapt. Right. Like he's just the ultimate Swiss Army knife. Like he he, he plays important minutes too. It's not like right. he's out there, you know, for, for bad minutes in a game. Right, he does every single facet of the ho- game of hockey, and yet people, you know, want to complain. Right. Um, I mean, you're right in you know explaining that nothing will ever satisfy the Toronto media. They are savages out there. Um, no offense to our Toronto fans. I'm not really blaming you guys, more the writers in your city. Um, but you're right. He just it feels like he does so much for that team and just doesn't get the credit that he kind of deserves and i guess it's just because he's not austin matthews i don't know adam what's your opinion on this i don't think it's so much that he's not austin matthews it's i think because he's one of the three players eating up almost 11 million dollars of cap and right and still isn't going anywhere i mean they're finally kind of working their way out of the funk that made me make the hot take uh at the start of the season that the leafs were going to miss the playoffs so i mean there's at least that going he's slowly starting to work his way to earning that contract for the season. But when a team like the Leafs, who is notorious, as we all know, for not making far in the playoffs, is struggling, one of the first places they're going to look is the three to four players making over $10 million and how much that handicaps the team. So I, I think that's where more the frustration for Marner comes from. Plus, he didn't look good at the start of the season. At like yeah, he but in I, a weird funk for the start of the season. Arguably, the entire team didn't look good though. It wasn't just Mitch Marner struggling. Oh yeah, but he was the one that was kind of the more, uh, I guess, in the spotlight for it. Like he showed the most emotion out of it. I'm pretty sure it was the season was the season where he walked down the tunnel and smashed a stick off camera. Right. Like he just left the bench and then. Um, but that's nothing. Like people try and make a big deal about that. Hockey players have been letting out aggression since I've been watching hockey, and that's since the early two thousand. So since the beginning of time. Honestly, I'd prefer in a way if a member of the team that I cheer for is as, you know, a showing that much emotion during a tough stretch. Then I felt not bad all, for you know. I felt bad for Joel Farabee last year. It was a game against the Penguins, and he got like he was on the power play. He made like two bad passes can went off the ice went to his I'm locker gonna... took his took his stick and just smashed it to pieces right and like Almost you a... know that happens but like unfortunately yeah. like the video of it you know went viral and you know you got humili- humiliated and it's like you shouldn't be like that shouldn't that should go viral because it happens fucking all the time yeah no i agree with with matt there I can see where you guys are coming from. I don't know. I, I, a star at that level, maybe restrain a little bit, but that's just me. Uh, I like. I honestly prefer them to not restrain themselves. I'd rather them play with that kind of passion because obviously it means they care as much as I do as a fan. You know. Can I pin that for when we talk about the the senator situation later? Because I feel like that tone might. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, the only, there is a distinct difference with that situation, I but <laughs> I don't know. I think that kind of plays back into maybe hold back a little bit. <laughs> we, we will get into that though. Uh, speaking of guys. Know. 
Speaking of guys on absolute tears, though, oh, we, yes. we have to talk about this. Tage Thompson of the Buffalo Sabres on December 7th, which would have been what last uh, last, last week. Yes. Um, against the Columbus Blue Jackets scored five goals, had one assist for a six point night. And that was in 13 minutes of ice time. Oh, my God. 13 minutes of ice time. That's insanity. I'm looking at the numbers here. He had 19 shifts and 13 minutes and 56 seconds in ice time. That is his lowest ice time of the year. And he was able to pull that off. He had a hat trick in the first period. Right now, it, on the season, he sits at 21 goals, 20 assists, 41 points, and a plus six in 28 games played. Obviously, that is inflated by a six-point game. Don't get me wrong. However, even if you take those six points away, so those five goals away, he sits at 16 goals and 19 assists for 30, 36 points in 28 games. Do you want to hear Over a point-a-game clip. Do you want to hear his remember, numbers? Remember? I remember um, that uh, six, what was it, five-point night? A six point night, six point, a six point night, five goals. He he was sitting at what three goals and a an assist after the first period. Yeah, and he's he was sitting at five points, like through ten minutes of ice time. Uh-huh. And I remember going home from the Flyers and chasing Martinez was saying saying those stats. I'm like, that has to be the most of, efficient amount of ice time. Like yeah, really. Ever seen in hockey? Like, yeah, he's at he's in ten minutes. He's at a half a point per minute clip of ice time. That That's insane. The first and he's, foremost, ESPN currently has him projected if he goes a full eighty-two games at this pace, sixty-two goals, fifty-nine assists for one hundred and twenty points. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely <laughs> tracks. Holy. Uh, if, if you're looking at his numbers, just kind of baseline, right? Um, last year was the most games he had played in the season. I don't know if that was because due to injury or, or what have you, but he had 38 goals last year, 30 assists for 68 points in 78 games. Right now, he sits at only 17 goals and 10 assists under his points last last year in 28 games. There are 50 games to go. And he's that close to his numbers. Jesus. And so far, uh, it's been his highest on ice uh, time in his career for obvious reasons. If he's playing like that, you're going to want him to see more ice time. Uh, my assumption though, for the low ice time in the Columbus games, they probably just sat him after a while. They're like, okay, clearly you had one too many puffs of the Russian gas tonight. <laughs> and you're you're gonna you're gonna embarrass the other guys. So we're just gonna sit you down for a bit. Who doesn't like the Russian gas? Who doesn't love the Russian gas? But either way, what Tage Thompson is doing for a Sabres team that is not very good at all is insane. I really could argue, and I don't think many uh Sabres fans would would argue with me. The reason that there are 12 wins is probably because of Tage Thompson. This team right now is 12-14 and two and has a plus six goal differential. Like yeah, that's without that's without Tage, he's they're definitely not in the green. Sure, but Peyton Krebs is also showing up this year. Uh, Jeff tough. Skinner isn't doing a whole lot offensively, but he seems to be doing a lot like on the ice for the team. Outside. There are a lot of pieces of this team that are that are starting to kind of come together. 
in a way, honestly, being a Sabres fan right now, sure, this team this year probably not going to do a whole lot, but you look towards the future. Rasmus Dahlin, Tage Thompson, you get yourself a solid goaltender in a draft here. Yeah. You're looking at at least a playoff team in the next three years. Feel like, maybe, but I feel like, you know, it's like you look at like the stats and it's important, like, but like a lot of hockey, like, is structure and like you know system wise right i feel they just play like a lot of what you've been seeing from buffalo is a lot like a lot of river hockey a lot of like breakouts like you know not really playing a good structure sure. I, I don't think they play a good structure at all but then it, you know right and then you just get tage thompson who's you know really coming into his own at the time of the career where an athlete comes in their own. Here's here's so. my follow-up question though, and I'll ask I'll ask the both of you this from based off what Matt said. Wouldn't you rather where the, with the team being at where it is in their um as as a franchise, right? Definitely outside of the playoff picture looking in type of aspect, probably not going anywhere this year. Wouldn't you rather just let the kids play exciting hockey the way that they want to play it, maybe without some structure? to see how good they actually can be. And then once you get some pieces in some other areas, get some solid more, get a little bit more defensively, uh, it, uh, more defensive depth, get a little more depth than your forwards, get a, get a solid, doesn't even have to be good, but just a solid goaltender, then bring in. I slightly the, disagree, the structure. man. Structure's so important and you got to learn it, especially at a young age. You have to learn it. You have to build. Like, yeah, you can say like they're, not where they want to be, but like you got to play the right way to the point where you learn and then you put yourself in the right way. You know, sure. you can put up points mm-hmm. in one, but if you're just playing fucking river hockey, you're going to lose the teams that are playing, you know, fine structure. I think you got to learn structure, especially in, you know, transition years. You got to learn structure. Sure. Uh, Adam, what what do you think? Which would you rather? Would you rather let the kids play while the team is bad or show them a structure while they're bad and then vice versa when they're when there's a promise? Well, for the kids, you definitely they, they have to play like they're That's the only way these guys are going to grow. And we made that argument about Shane Wright. We made the argument about Nick Robertson in Toronto. If you want these players to grow, they have to play. Uh, Cage Thompson, as far as I'm concerned, is an anomaly because there was no signs of this anywhere in his career. Nope. Uh, I just realized the reason he's in Buffalo is because he was involved in the Ryan O'Reilly trade to St. Louis. Yep. He was a, he was a St. Louis draft pick, drafted as a defenseman, mind you. And that's even a, crazier. And now he's a center. <laughs> and even funnier, uh, what do we have here? One, two, three, four, five pieces of this trade. Two of them are still with the Sabres. Cage Thompson and their 2019 first overall pick. What the hell? And Cage Thompson has made this deal basically even. Unreal. But if you want these players to get better, especially especially a guy like Peyton Krebs, who, if the uh, EA NHL games have taught me anything, can be a really good player, um, they have to play. And I think at this point, they need a little bit of that NHL experience, whether the team's good or not. It's still going to get you the um, the experience you need. There's a lot of good veteran presence on the Sabres roster right now that can lead these kids down a path where we're looking like three, four years down the line could be looking at a possible playoff contending Buffalo Sabres team. 
which is wild to say after what they've been the last three, four years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, longer than that. Obviously, yeah. when teams are bad, so, they're supposed to get good with good draft picks. That's how it's supposed to work in every sport. Um, but You would think. Not in you baseball. Think, right? Not in but baseball. Not in baseball. Baseball is a fucked system, though, because of the whole fucking non-salary cap and just having taxation. Yes. Well, that, and how, how long it takes prospects to even make it to the show in baseball. Yeah, it's so dumb. Don't even get me started on that. Either way, um, when it comes to hockey – I think in order to kind of solve both of these problems, maybe let this year play out how it plays out with the coach you have. And maybe in the off season, look towards finding a coach um, that, that usually is good at bringing structure to a team. I E somebody who wants to be attached to a team who is really well known for having the most structured ice hockey team. Are you catching Sponsor. Drift. Maybe. Adam Crater. Shut up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really think Barry um, Trotz is who I'm yes, assuming you're talking about. I really think if Barry Trotz wants to stick his flag into an organization that has some promise and wants to bring that very boring hockey to watch to a to a franchise with some talent and some hope, the Sabres might be the perfect opportunity for him. It's yeah, it's not a Bad call. I mean, I'd be curious to see. I mean, I know he coached Ovi, and Ovi is obviously Ovi, but I'd be curious to see what someone like Tage Thompson, who's on a ridiculous last two seasons of point production, what he does under a a uh, Barry Trotz more defensive style system. But it can't hurt to to add that structure, like Matt was talking about, to uh, a team that's kind of has it, but I think they're still kind of finding their way now into success. How you won in this sport. Yeah. It's true. But hey, Barry Trotz has won before. He's played winning hockey before. He has a Stanley Cup to prove for it, you know? Um hey, if if Barry Trotz does go to Buffalo, I want this episode to be brought back up, folks. If we oh, if yes. we called Barry Trotz to Buffalo, I want I want people to keep the receipts and I want some <laughs> goddamn respect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The likelihood of Barry Trotz going to the Buffalo is so low. It's crazy. But either way, um, to keep moving forward, uh, um, a situation in another team full of uh, young talent, uh, but this one a bit negative, as Thomas Shabbat, defenseman for the (laughs) Ottawa Senators, showed a little bit too much um, anger on uh, on the bench and I guess thought he was at the end of the bench. Um, and went to go slash his stick against the ice, forgetting that his Last. defensive partner, Travis Hamannick, was directly next to him um, <laughs> and hit him in the face. Nailed him. Like, took his head off almost. Now, I'm not sure exactly if it was ever uh, kind of figured out what actually happened. I'm assuming he was asked after the game. I'm looking to see if there was any comments made. Um it looks like it was over a missed call. I mean, I'm I'm sure he wasn't trying to slash his defensive partner in the face. Um, but I I was I can't seem to find anything about it. But look, obviously I'm pretty sure it was accidental. However, maybe have a little bit of awareness when you're on the bench, you know? Be aware well, of the next two. <laughs> I have a I have a quote from Travis Hamnick. Oh, what do you say? Um, he says it's unfortunate. It's gone viral uh, because it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. 
I was literally laughing about it. I was grateful no harm was done. I'm already miss I've I'm already missed my teeth, so we're all good and move forward. Um and then when asked about a apology gift that Shabbat gave him, Hamnick declined to say what it was, uh, and then said, quote, we'll let that mystery grow, but it was something nice though. Oh well that okay. So at least there's still good yeah. terms. But yeah, that's that's you might want to be a little bit aware of who you're around on the uh, yeah, on just the just a little bit, just a smidge. You know, I understand showing passion and all that jazz, but uh... you know, this thing about like showing that frustration—it's like yeah, you want to see your players have passion, but you don't want to see your leaders lose their cool. You know, sure. like I know some, I know like we're gonna as I get into it, it's like. You know, Thomas Shabbat wears an A. He's he considered yeah. one of the leaders. And mm-hmm. when you, you let – I'm pretty sure that play happened in the first or second period. So still uh, first half of the game. Like, still very early. I get, like, you know, shit went wrong. But it's like – Five minutes you, into the second. Yeah, so it's still first half of the game. Like, when you show, like, that frustration at that time – don't get me wrong, like – we he has another leader in that locker room who was the captain for our team that showed a lot of emotion. Claude Giroux, like every time he was frustrated, he had no problem breaking a stick. Mm-hmm. And like you know, it's like it's not it's morally deflating when you see your leaders kind of lose it like that. You know, it's just like when they when you lose, it's like you show your frustration rather than just like. A player that's you know not wearing a letter shows their frustration. That's just kind of, of my opinion. Like you know, you wear a leader, it's because you're considered a leader. You should right. show it and act it. And I hear you there. Um, but like I think I I said earlier on the pod, I'm always more on the end. Of, I kind of like when my you know play the players that play for the teams that I you know am a fan of show more emotion because it shows to me that they care. The I hope they care more than I care because I'm just simply a fan, but it shows me that they actually care what's going on and they haven't just like absolutely sold, you know? Um, There were times in like when the flyers were up and down a lot in the 2010s, when they were having one of their off seasons, which they did have, and they didn't make the playoffs. There were times where there was just nothing. They didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. They, from Claude, you just yeah, you get they those answers show... and like just didn't have the effort tonight. It's like, damn, you're fucking captain saying that. Yeah, look, I mean, just like I, I hate when you know players just sold out, you know, and they're like, I, look, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care. I want you to care, and if that means accidentally hitting your line mate in the face, <laughs> maybe let's dial it back just a smudge, you know. But you, you had the right, you know. You, your heart was in the right place, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> I do wonder what the gift was, though. I, I Apparently, there was multiple, according to Shabbat. All right, well, you know, good for him for trying to remedy that situation. Um, now, to get into some more in-depth NHL news, as that was kind of a, a run of some things that have uh, transpired in the last week. Here's a deep cut for you. And speaking of a relationship that might never get better. Uh, oh. Let's talk about those that 2011 Stanley Cup final. Yes, the one where Vancouver basically burned down their entire city because they lost. Um, so apparently there is still... not like Philadelphia where it's like we burn our city down because when we, we win, win baby. <laughs> can't take this from us. 
um, but the uh, that was the 2011 Stanley Cup was between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and it was a pretty intense series. I remember that being one of one of the more fun Stanley Cup finals to watch in recent went history. Uh, went to seven. It looked like the Vancouver Canucks had them in basically probably in five, and then the Bruins just came roaring back to win a bunch in a row and take it to Game Seven and end up winning the Stanley Cup. Now I'm interested because I have not heard this story from Char yet. I've heard like BX's reaction to it, but I actually didn't hear the story. Oh, well, good enough. I have the quote. Um, hey, but yeah. So obviously, everybody here knows. Everybody who's a classic listener of this podcast, and I'm sure the two gentlemen here that I'm staring at know. I fucking despise the Boston. Oh Bruins. yes. Um, Wait, don't so, say. So talking <laughs> about a Stanley Cup that they wound up winning is not necessarily something I would consider a fun time for me. <laughs> However, I do have to say this is kind of funny. So uh, Zdeno Chara recently uh, recently retired. A recently was on Julian Edelman's Games with Names podcast, um, and he was talking about 2007, uh, yeah, 2007, uh, 2011 <laughs> Stanley Cup final. Um, and uh, he said it was he was talking about a story about it, like what happened, how did they end up like coming back and all that jazz. It was an intense series. He said, quote, after losing two games in Vancouver, we saw players in Vancouver coming on the ice in the garden and they were actually actually practicing how they would be lifting the cup and handing off the cup to each other. And we found out about these things and we were like, fuck this. We are not going to allow this to happen. And it just fueled us now. If that's actually something he saw, I'm sure is up in the air um because uh jeff merrick on the sportsnet um on one of the sportsnet podcasts was talking to kevin bx who was a defenseman on the 2011 vancouver canucks and kevin bx said that is 100 not what happened uh that it's one of the dumbest things that he's ever heard um and it you know it's it's one of those things where he is very adamant that is not something that happened but Here's the thing. In all the stories that you tell from 2011 to 2022, there's a possibility that there could have been a leader on that team that realized the team needed some fucking edge because they were, I think they were down three games to one going into game five. That the team clearly needed some competitive advantage and thought to themselves, you want to know what? I'm going to make up a story about this happening on the ice and I'm going to tell the boys. And there's a chance that that player could have been the captain Zdeno Chara. And after retelling the story all the time, he kind of in his brain just thought of it as it actually reality. Believed it. Like George it's Costanza possible. Said. It's, it's, it's possible that after telling the story for so many years, he could actually be remembering it as something that was factual, or it could actually be something that's factual. And Kevin BX is trying to cover it up. Either George way. Costanza said, it's not a lie. You believe it. Damn right. <laughs> um, so either way, though, coming from Zidane Char as a captain and being like, no, no, I'm telling my teammates that this happened and we're going to get some fucking fire in us and win a Stanley Cup. Kind of badass. If that's how it how it transpired, if that was just him fabricating it and that didn't actually happen. I love it. I love you... every second of it. I remember the Mets. I don't know if it was this year or last year. <clears throat> pretended the practice was it the Mets or was it the Giants? It might have been Kapler's Giants, but they actually practiced winning it all. Like they just had a scenario where they just like threw the gloves off 
That's so that sounds, sounds like, like a Gabe, Gabe Kapler. That sounds That's, like more like a Gabe Kapler. That thing. sounds so Gabe Kapler to me. Oh, no, it's that Gabe has Kapler him written thing. all the fuck over it. I so do it remember the Mets this last year not celebrating um, getting to the playoffs because they said that that was not their goal and there was more to be done. And then getting just fucking hit on throttled a by the San Diego Padres. Eat that, Mets fans. Uh, either hit. way. Two hit that, elimination game. To to confirm that is the Mets that did that. Yeah, the Mets. I know the Mets did that. That I know. Um, but either way, back to hockey. If this is just a fabricated story by Zidane Chara as the captain of that team, fuck yeah, I'm all, <laughs> I am I am one hundred percent in. But like all teams, like when they lift a cup, they have that list of who they're handing it off to. Isn't that in itself a way of practicing? winning it like knowing who you're gonna pass it to i do you think that's like a necessarily set list or you know sometimes it's like out of flow but like i feel like most cup winners had that set list of like the top five players who get it first like i feel like like they just like don't have an open conversation but they have like a like after practice conversation like yeah you you But the way that he's describing it is they were practicing how they'd be lifting it and handing it to each other, (laughs) like from how he's describing it, which, by the way, I can't can't imagine that actually happened is so fucking funny that they thought imagine hockey players going through the battle, the war in which of winning a Stanley Cup and practicing winning it before they win it. I just can't imagine that. Now, I do recall that 2011 Vancouver Canucks team being made up of a bunch of prima donnas and, like, <laughs> like 10-ply soft. Kevin I remember that. Kevin Biaxa was, was No, I'm one. talking about, like, um, Alex Burroughs and um, Kessler. And all, they're so Ryan Kessler so... played a tough game. Ryan Kessler was so soft. He um, played a tough game. But here's my thing is I don't know if the Sedin twins would have let that happen. Mm-hmm. You know? That just does not seem up their alley. What did you say, Adam? I said that doesn't sound like a Sadine's thing to do. I know. Like, that just does not sound like something that those two would allow to happen. And I'm pretty sure the team followed pretty much what those two did. Um, So, obviously, no one actually knows if this actually happened or this didn't actually happen. Both are obviously going to stick to their guns because why wouldn't you? However... If it happened or Zidane Chara made it up and lied to his teammates and f- fueled them up, hilarious either way. I truly want to believe in my heart of hearts that Zidane Chara made it up and had just the had the mind to be like, this team needs some fire right now and I'm going to give it to them with this fabricated story. I truly want to believe that more than it actually happened because actually thinking about it happening just sounds so dumb to me. Just having uh, Elaine, Elaine Vigneault watch a practice of them winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah, right? Like, that's so dumb. That's so dumb. Um, but either way, uh, <laughs> kind of funny either way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I love that there's still beef between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. Just what, a, just what an outlandish beef to have there. Very <laughs> funny to me. Um, but in continuing to talk about the Vancouver Canucks here, obviously not having one hell of a season, uh, other than, you know, I guess you could say kind of recently, they kind of got off the schneid, but and they're 12, 13 and three minus 12 goal differential. They are six, four and oh, in their last 10, 
but it's going to take a little bit for them to get back in the conversation in the West. Um, however, they're out here shopping around their pending unrestricted free agent, Bo Horvat. Um, basically, uh, the the offer uh, to extend was rejected by Horvat, so it's looking like they're looking to get anything they can for him if he doesn't plan on coming back to Vancouver. My first question to you two is, how important is it to the Vancouver Canucks um, to be losing your captain and for your captain to say, no, I don't want to come back? It's not a good look. It's a a horrible look. look. It's a terrible look. And it's like, but is it a, you know, is it a look on that Bo Horvat? or yeah, Bo Horvat like shouldn't be a captain. I mean, I can't say that because I've only, I mean only I've only seen Bo Horvat really play when they play against Flyers. And, the only you know... right, and the only argument that I could make to how this doesn't look bad on Bo Horvat is that obviously what's been going on in Vancouver is complete turmoil. The fans have basically turned on them. Um, but however, it looks bad on Bo Horvat, not only because he's a captain, but because this was allowed to go public. I don't know who leaked this. I don't know who Bo talked to. Um, but this, especially if you're the captain of an NHL team and you are, oh, still in December, not even halfway through the year. You can't let this go public. It's like, honestly, your job to not let this go public. You still have a team to lead. Say you turn this around and they make the playoffs. Everybody already knows that you don't want to be the captain of that team anymore, and you, you've you already rejected coming back. That's something that has to be kept internal, and you can't let that go. So, honestly, that's a bad look on the Canucks and Bo Horvat for that to become public information in the beginning of December. Um, Adam, what are your what are your thoughts on this? It's, uh, it's not a good look, really. Um, Horvat was one of those players where I could have envisioned him playing his entire career in Vancouver. Um, it never really crossed my mind that he was a possible trade chip for them. And correct me if I'm wrong, was he not handpicked by the Sedins to be the next captain when they retired? The Sedins said Bo Horvat should be the next captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, which makes it look ten times worse, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I will say kind of kudos to Horvat for the statement he put out saying like he's just focusing on the season and he's not going to talk about it anymore. Um, just trying to kind of put the fire out before it gets worse, but it's a bad look on a team that you would have thought was kind of on the up when the last season ended. And now they're kind of right back in the basement where they were a season ago. So I'm going to be curious to see if he does get traded before the deadline or even at the deadline, what the return looks like and what team goes after him. Because I can't even think of a team like there are certain players that you could see a player fitting on a particular team when it comes to a trade. I can't see Horvat not so much fitting on another team, but like what team he fits best on right now going into the the playoffs. You know, I have an idea, and it's actually not going to the Flyers. No, I know. <laughs> Fuck no! Don't come here. <laughs> Don't waste your career here. Um, but I have an idea of a team, and we will be talking about this team later. Um, however, uh, it does say here that it looked like they were offering, um, a offer that was well, that was well shy of the 8 million that a top line center is kind of going for nowadays. Um, now they had max term, which was eight years. 
but apparently the number was well shy of eight million. Um, so this could be a money situation that Bo Horvat was upset about, but man, it's ugly that this went public in December. Like we're not even close to the trade deadline yet. No. Like that's usually when some of these things might leak out, but when it's a captain, like, yes, everyone knew Claude Giroux was leaving last year. Everyone knew it. The organization knew it. Claude knew it. All the fans knew it, but no one ever said anything. It never was public knowledge that basically, no, he's not coming back. He's getting traded. There was nothing like ever Claude, said. Claude keeps saying he didn't know he was leaving until he was. Oh all, my ass! He probably, probably <laughs> everyone Claude. knew, but that's what a captain should say. Yeah, a captain should be like, "No, I'm committed to this team. I'm the captain of this team. I'm here to win." Now, him coming out of that statement that Adam was talking about was probably good cover for that fire, sure. But everybody knows now that you don't want to be here because they offered you something and you rejected it. Those are two things that did happen, and now everybody knows that. You know, like, that's that's ugly for a captain and a franchise. That's just a really bad look, I think. Um, but obviously, I guess we'll see what happens kind of moving forward here with uh, with Bo Horvat. But we might as well talk about it now since we're talking about Bo, Bo Horvat. Anyways, the team that I think it would be really exciting to see Bo Horvat on is actually just directly south of Vancouver. Oh, you're going Seattle, there. Washington. Why? Oh, I'm going there. Oh, I'm going there. You want to know why? See. Because right now the Seattle Kraken are currently in second place in the West at 35 points, 16-8-3 and three with an 11 goal differential, 7-3-0 in their last 10. And they look like they're the real deal right now, Okay. They look like they have some talent. They look like they're playing as a cohesive unit and their goaltending has gotten exponentially better. What else could help a team like this? Oh, I don't know. An experienced captain in the NHL who's really fucking good. They have the money to pay him. You know, they're not really strapped for cash in Seattle. I don't know. It feels right. It also <laughs> feels like if he's really going for the big FU to the Vancouver Canucks, what better? an FU than to go a couple miles south yeah, into then, America. They would need to, you know, you know, get players back and all that to complete the right. trade. Right, for sure. Look at Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, he's like, I don't want to go to New York. Go, Let me go to Seattle. Yeah, like Patty Kane would work there too, but Bo Horvat no. would obviously have a better outlook considering he still has most stay there long play. term yeah you stay there long term you know get now what you could do if you're seattle is trade for patrick kane and then trade patrick kane flip him for Bo to the vancouver canucks flip him for bo horvat where is this patrick kane to seattle talk coming from this is news to me i don't well, know because why kane. not maybe okay, i should enough. be a gm i feel patrick like i just solved like... seattle's problems Seems like they're really going to trade him at the deadline, and he's probably going to be the biggest splash. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, obviously, he's in the twilight of his career, but either way, he still has miles on those tires for sure. Still has that it factor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still Patrick King, you know. Who? <sighs> Are you trying to figure this out now? Did I, did I, did I itch that uh, GM part in your brain? My friend, I've got Cap Friendly's trade machine pulled up right now trying to figure this trade out. <laughs> Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I don't know who they trade though. Like I, because the way my my GM brain is looking at this is all right. Yeah, sure. We bring Bo Horvat in. 
who gets taken out of the lineup right now? Because their who's, center core. Who's your top line center? Alex Wenberg. Yeah, send him. No, because <laughs> yeah. he's doing good. Sure, sure. But Bo Horvat is better. <laughs> unless we trade Alex Wenberg, bump Maddie Beneers to first line center, and shove Horvat in second line center alongside McCann and Everly. Okay. Bing, now. Bing, you sold me. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you what. I'm telling you People's what. People's GM got... on Twitch coming soon. Dude, I'm telling you. Bo Horvat to Seattle? I'm just saying. I, I might have to pull this trigger, and I hate that you did this to me. Uh, I'm so happy I did this to you because I know this is going to enthrall you for hours on end. Um, uh... All right, to keep moving forward into other kind of trade talks here, uh, Jesse Poyarvi of the uh, Edmonton Oilers looks like he's going to be on the trade block too. Fourth overall pick in the Austin Matthews draft. Adam, <laughs> do you still have that draft board pulled up? I can grab it real quick because I closed to trying to. Make yeah, just dive. Just, just run me the the three players that were drafted after Jesse Poyarvi. Uh, the three directly after. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, it's uh Ole Yolevi, Matthew Kachuk, and Clayton Keller. Mm, Clayton Keller and Matthew Kachuk after Jesse Poyarvi. Also, special not special, a great look. Special appearance from Mikhail Sergachev. Oh, look at that! Charlie McAvoy at fourteenth overall. Uh, Jacob. However, you want me to pronounce that last name because my brain. Chikrin. Chikrin. Thank you. At 16th, uh, who else was here? Oh, yeah. Cage Thompson, 26 overall. Could have been an Edmonton Oiler. Nope. So here's the rundown of his career stats so far in 288 games played across um, six seasons so far. Well, he's in his six. So five seasons in total, six ongoing. He has 47 goals, 57 assists for 104 points. Not what you want. Out of a top five draft pick, no. um, his That's highest like second or third round pick, his highest scoring season was in the COVID shortened season in 2020, 55 games played, 15 goals, 10 assists for 25 points. Yeah. Um, last season. Oh, sorry. His, his highest, his highest goal scoring season. Actually. Okay. His highest, even point, worse, his highest point getting season was last year at 36 points, and that was broken up into 14 goals and 22 assists. Obviously, he has never eclipsed the 40-point mark for what is a good player in the NHL, and he was number four overall in the 2016 draft. This is – that is really bad. And obviously, yeah. the Edmonton Oilers seem to be fed up with it as he is now on the trade block. As it stands right now, he is in the 12th percentile in offensive plus minus at a minus 6.2. Um, <laughs> last year, it was just a minus 6.1. It's a re- it's really bad for uh, Jesse Poyave right now. But I want to ask you guys, coming from obviously someone who is highly drafted, highly touted, and was definitely talented enough to be picked fourth overall, do you think that it it has kind of come about because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are taking all the minutes, all the shine and basically doing everything for the Edmonton Oilers. And a guy like Jesse Priarvi just won't be able to succeed with that. I don't know about that. I mean, you get, you got to play eventually. They can't play, you know, they can't even play like 30 minutes a night, not even close. Um, So I think, you know, he just didn't take advantage of the opportunities that was given to him. Sure. Sure. 
Um, but you know, he's really not playing all that many minutes now as it is. He's kind of averaging somewhere in like the 13 to 14 minutes of ice time a night right now. Well, normal forward really gets. Sure, but when you draft someone fourth overall, do you want to treat them as a normal forward? I mean, how, uh, how much minutes does Lafreniere get in New York? He probably gets around the same. That's fantastic. That's actually a gr- that's a great question. That is a fantastic question. Hold on. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. You, know, you can only push. You never see. Never really see forwards even really touch the like fourteen, fifteen minute mark. They always stay around the twelve, thirteen. Some go a little bit less. You know. He makes a good argument here. Right. Makes a good argument. Um, sure. Fifteen that, minutes, by the way, for uh, Lafreniere. Yeah. So this season, okay. about right. the same. So maybe it is a case of just he is not performing the way he was supposed to. I guess my question to you two would be: Do you think a change of scenery would even help the kid, or do you think that he'd be able to help any other franchise? Bro, man, it's like you need to go to a place that's either doing so well you can just blend in. Or you need to go to a place where they're just doing really bad and you can stake your claim into being a difference maker. Yeah. And it's all about what kind of role you want to you want to receive. Now, the kind of role where he has found success this year so far is uh, in five on five and on the power play. He's found the most success when he's basically parked in front of the net and just being a large body. Uh, which, you know, JVR has made an entire fucking career of that. And he, mm-hmm. he too is terrible. Okay. So, I mean, you can make an entire NHL career just based on parking yourself in front of the net and just being a big body. It's just not what you expect from a fourth overall uh, pick in a draft, uh, especially a guy that was picked before a Matthew Kuchuk, a Jacob Chikrin, a Tage Thompson, guys like that. Um, but maybe a change of scenery helps him out. I don't really personally think so, but maybe it does. Who knows? Up in the air a little bit. Um, do you guys have any other comments on the Jesse Piarvi situation? I agree that uh, I think it changes. I've often thought that a change of scenery was kind of needed for him. I don't know why. I just never thought he really gelled well in Edmonton the last couple of years I saw him. Plus, he's being passed over. I mean, you look at the Evander Kane acquisition. That's a spot Piarvi you would have thought would have slotted into. And uh, Kyler or Kaler? Kyler, right? Yamamoto? Yeah. Um, His emergence has shoved him even further down the line. So definitely, I think a change of scenery is needed. I just don't know where he goes. Like, that's another player where I don't know who would want to take a run at him. If you say Seattle again. <laughs> These know? expansion teams have that lean way of just yep. not being able Yep. Get out of contracts. Yep. I see that more. Solid with Vegas. Sure. But you don't have to pay this guy a whole lot of money. No, God, no. He makes $3 million a year right now. You could could get him for like 2.2. Yeah. Yeah. And give him a second chance in a brand new city. Excited fans. New franchise. I'm just saying. Maddie Beneers. I'm just And Jesse Puglia Harvey. Look, I think maybe for anyone who needs a change of scenery, the Seattle Kraken might be my go-to answer from here on out. Um, That's fair. It is fair. fair. Uh, They are on the rise. 
Speaking of the Seattle Kraken, though, let's talk about those Seattle Kraken. Right now in the standings, we already talked about it, second place in the West, not just in the Pacific, but in the West at uh, 35 points, a 16-8-3 record. They're, they look for real. I'm not going to lie to you. They look for real. Um they have a lot of they have a lot of different uh, guys around the entire lineup showing up and performing, putting points on the board, putting out good nights. Their goaltending has finally kind of leveled off. Last year was really rocky for two guys I would consider were decent goaltenders. What are you thumbs down for? Martin Jones. Oh, okay, whatever. I told <laughs> I told you I told you Martin Jones was okay. I told this to you. Nope. I, I told refuse. you. Um, I, I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, obviously they have the likes of Maddie Beneers and yes. a Shane Wright. They have two of like the top touted draft picks of the last two years. Here's the thing, right? And it's a question to you two. Are the Seattle Kraken for real? Do you believe it in your heart? I'm interested to see how some of these teams play in the second half of the year. Like Seattle's in that list. I look at the Jersey Devils in that list. Like teams that you're like, Whoa! It's like where, what, what the hell happened there? Like where'd that come from? Like I want to see if they can carry it, even like relative to what they're doing now in the second half of the year when that hockey games matter even more. You know what I mean? I hear but, you. Uh, yeah, the, all, I mean, especially as we say the wild wild west, when you got that much of an advantage to uh, you know, stay in the standings. I mean doesn't really seem like they're like they're going to fall off to the point where, where they'll miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I it really seems like they are like kind of on a roll right now and honestly, you kind of wonder why you ever realistically doubted them. Let's talk about some of the forwards they have on this team. Maddie Beniers, Andre Burakovsky, Jordan Everly, Jared McCann, Yanni Gord, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Alex Wenberg, Jaden Shorts. Uh, Brandon Tanev, Ryan Donato, guys that we all know. Sure, everybody kind of knows them as role players, but when you put them together, their role is to win games. Here's the here's what they got on the defensive side: Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, Justin Schultz. Um, and you look at these guys. A couple of those defensemen have won Stanley Cups recently. Like, <laughs> yeah, the goaltenders who have actually showed up and actually leveled off this team a little bit this year. Philip Grubauer, who had a rough year last year, he's leveled off. Martin Jones, who had a promising year as the Flyers' backup last year and has since shown the same progress that he made uh, last year in Philadelphia. Why did we ever doubt this team could be good? I don't know. Maybe we just didn't really look too deep into this lineup. But they have a couple of former Stanley Cup winners on this roster and some damn good players. I think they're for real. Yeah. I think the Kraken are real right now. And I agree with Matt. Even if they do fall off, I don't think they fall off enough to leave a playoff position. What is the uh, division looking like? Oh, my God. Please catching up to them. What the hell? And then a follow-up question here for you two gentlemen. Uh-huh. With the Vegas expansion going the way it went with them going to the Stanley Cup in their first year of existence, and now if the Kraken make the playoffs as a good team this year, is the NHL the best at expanding franchises as far as the four major sports are concerned? We oh, know there's that- a lot of there's a lot of look at that. Like you can obviously say like we're as fans, we're just looking at the wins and stuff. 
Sure. But when you like you talk about a league wise, like they probably look at money a lot more than they look at wins. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, you look at the NFL, like I mean, they kind of follow the same suit. Like Vegas, the Vegas Raiders have been a huge hit. Like so many people go to that stadium. I wouldn't just... call that an expansion though. You're just taking no, that's the a franchise and moving it. That's fair. This is bringing a brand new sport into a brand new city, into a brand new arena, going from ground zero in both of these cases. The only problem I have with this conversation is, like rough as that sounds, um, is no other league has expanded the way the NHL has recently. Mm -hmm. Knowledge. I mean, I don't know what the last expansion team outside of the NHL was, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, It would probably be... NBA? Yeah, it would probably be the New Orleans Pelicans. Were they expansion or were they relocation? I thought they relocated. Actually, that I think that's a relocation. Yeah. Um, I so, think that, I think the true like from scratch last team was probably the Arizona Diamondbacks. Maybe the Colorado maybe. Rockies. But the point being for baseball, that, for those of you that don't know. Uh, yeah. T- times kind of change things like that. And I mean the rules like exponentially changed for the expansion draft in the NHL um, because the league wanted a competitive expansion team right out the gate. And Mm -hmm. I don't think they expected what they got out of Vegas, but it was a very happy accident Um, because league revenue, I'm sure skyrocketed and kind of to counter what Matt was saying with, they don't look at the wins. They they, they look at the money wins equal money. And when you think about it, if your team's not doing good, you're not going to a game. I mean, I look at the Sharks games after the last two seasons. That arena is usually empty. Yeah. Not a good look. And that's because the team's not winning. Look at Arizona. The only reason they've got a packed stadium right now is because they're playing in a college. They got nothing better to do. Right. Uh, so it's hard to say. Um, I would, just based on what we've seen out of Vegas and Seattle, I would have to agree that the NHL seems to have the expansion team formula pretty much ironed out right um it's gonna be wild though seattle does in year two what vegas did in year one because that's just as unprecedented sure yeah totally possible um yeah i I mean like i know they're hurt but like you gotta figure colorado is gonna find a way to get in there and then once they get healthy like they're gonna find that gel like I yeah, still but, think they're the team to beat in the West, even if they're on oh, the outside I mean, looking I'm, in. I'm not saying that Seattle's the team to beat in the West. I'm just saying they look like they're a competitor in the West. Yeah. And all it takes is a really hot streak with a hot goalie, and Colorado could find themselves on the back foot. Yeah, it's, it is it is true. It is true. Look at what happened Columbus and uh, Tampa in the bubble. That nope. is true. Okay. Look at what happened to Montreal in the bubble. Yeah. Like – Crazy thing. That's why I love hockey because nothing's predictable. Like as much as you think something can happen, uh, one way, and the next thing you know, a forty-two-year-old Zamboni driver is being put in net, leading the Carolina Hurricanes to a win. Yeah, hockey's wild. Yeah. wild. It is. It is, and uh, that's just that's that's the case right now. Is the Seattle Kraken team what they're doing right now? Is it seems wild, but like I said when we ran down that roster, it was very interesting that we ever doubted this team could be good. Um, to me, at least, reading the names that are on this list. I would have to um, go back and listen to what we talked about if we ever, like, outright 
honed in on Seattle for this season, what we actually said about them. Yeah, I definitely in the uh, the preseason episode where we kind of went into every single team. I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what we said then in comparison to now. That might be a, a solid listen for you folks at home. Um, tell us how wrong we were. I'm sure tell us how wrong we were because we were probably terribly wrong. I can almost guarantee it. Um, Jason's probably right though because he tends to be weirdly right about these things. He really does. <laughs> Weird sixth sense he has going on over there. Um, but to wrap up the episode here, Adam, I believe you had some some, some oh, comments yeah. on Ice Wars. Have either of you two gentlemen heard of Ice Wars? Negative. Yes. What is yes. uh Chris Tarian is the announcer? Is it Ice oh, Wars? Bundy. So Bing, you're familiar with the phenomenon that is uh mixed martial arts, correct? And then I am. Uh, and the UFC. Now, picture if you will. Oh my God, they actually did it. <laughs> the UFC removes the cage and replaces it with an octagon-shaped style of boards. Do you guys remember this from the movie Goon? No, because I never watched the movie Goon, but I would believe it's in this movie. It is and, in this movie. So, yeah, so if you've ever seen the movie Goon, whatever Bing is <laughs> referring to, is a real-life thing. Ice Wars quoted from their website, the most extreme combat sport ever invented and a fascinating new world where only those rough enough, tough enough, and skilled enough will come out on top. Comprised of professional and semi-professional fighters at the top of their game in top fighting condition. They begin this four-series event in the spring of 2022, so this is been going on since the spring. Uh, all fights consist of two one-minute rounds on ice, so they are wearing skates and full hockey gear. Uh-huh. Uh, K- KO or TKO to end the fight. Judges uh, score fights if needed, and they wear MMA-style gloves. And it's ridiculous. That's insanity. I'm so the, happy that exists. The rules. No headbutting, kicking, or biting. So um, who was who the LA Kings player that did the biting. Oh, Lemieux. Lemieux. Yeah, yeah he, he he can't go here. Uh, no pulling nope. hair, kneeing, or tripping. No holding opponent's gloves. And helmets and gloves must stay on all fight. Um, I don't know how strict that rule is because I watched a clip of a Hockey Wars fight and this man's helmet flew off and they just let him keep going. So I don't know if that's a new rule or what it is. But this is a wild sport that I don't know if I love or am questioning why it's a thing. I got to watch it to really get a bearing on what's happening here, but it I'll definitely send you sounds a, exciting. That's for sure. I'll send you a clip. I'm interested I watched, in the prize money. Like, how, yeah. how much are these guys actually getting paid? They, they can't be getting the whole Definitely month. not enough for what they're doing, that's for sure. Um, but, hell, that's a thing, huh? About, about that. Um, I love the, the tagline is, king of the rink. <laughs> Love this. I I can't tell if I love this idea or I'm just baffled that it actually exists. But hey, folks, go watch some ice wars. It's there. If you if you're just into hockey for the fighting, it's right there. It's, it's right there for you. Literally, what the tagline my dad presented me with when he told me about this was: "It's hockey. It's a hockey fighting without the hockey." Is literally what it was presented as. Fucking man, that sounds. I got to watch some clips. Uh, But as always, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much 
for listening. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OTPPpod on both. Uh, go ahead and follow the uh, incredible stuff that Adam does on both of our social medias there. Go ahead and click that link in the bio as well and go to our merch store. We got all the stuff that you're going to need for the winter. Sweatshirts, mugs. We got masks for you. We got hats. We got all the stuff to keep you all. We got blankets. Keep you all bundled Christmas up right for the winter the month. Christmas right around the corner. Go ahead and go to our merch store, folks. Uh, Adam, plug the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash on the power play. I'm itching for some Seattle Kraken hockey now that I got to get Bo Horvat as a center on my goddamn Kraken team. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm looking at the start of the new year, I think. So it'll give me enough time because I also had some other ideas about adding some created players to the draft pool. So I'll leave those as a surprise because they're pretty goofy. But yeah, twitch.tv slash on the power play. Follow, uh, follow, like being said, all the social medias because I'll post when I go live on there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. Bo Horvat coming to the Kraken very soon. Hell yeah. And uh, as always, guys, if you miss when he goes live, there is video on demand on Twitch so you can go back and watch what he did. What he does on there is awesome. What he does for our, all, both of our, all of our social medias is uh, fantastic. So always a big thank you to Adam for that. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we out. Mm-hmm.